How are you all tonight? Good to see you all. Thanks for coming to see me tonight. <laughs> uh, glad you're here. Glad you're on live stream, podcast. Glad we could all join together. Amen. Let's just bless the Lord for a moment. Father, we bless you and honor you, Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory. You alone are worthy, Lord God. You are the glorious King. You're the mighty God. You're high and lifted up. You are the majestic one. You are the wonderful Savior and King. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for being our Redeemer, that you redeemed us from sin, redeemed us from the curse. You set us free and unbound us from the works of the devil. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you paid the price for our sin, that you bore away all the effects of our sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're brand new in you, that we're a new creature in Christ. Thank you, Lord, you've delivered us out of darkness and brought us into your kingdom and made us children of the Most High God. We bless you and praise you, Lord. Father, I thank you that we can come and sit at your feet this evening to hear your word being taught of your, by your Holy Spirit, that we receive impartations of revelation, and because of revelation, the power of hell is not able to stand against it. But we hold to your word, we keep your word, your word will produce as you have said it would. And I thank you, Lord, that we receive your word as a seed into our heart, that it grows on the inside of us, that it will bear fruit, it will bring forth into our life. And we thank you that we continue to grow in your image, we continue to develop in your divine nature, and we continue to grow and walk in, in a manner that's worthy of you and pleasing you in all respects. And we thank you and praise you for that in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're going to start over in Acts chapter 20 this evening. And we've been talking actually the last number of weeks. If you would put a title on what we've been talking about, I've been calling it Walking Like Jesus. But I'd say we could call it discipleship is what the last uh, number of weeks has been about. And um, it's the kind of teaching which, like all teaching that we do here, you can't grab one teaching here and one teaching there. It's series. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. One thing builds upon another. That's how we ought to build our life in the Word, isn't it? Amen. Amen. So here in Acts chapter 20, and let's read verse 24. Talking about the Apostle Paul, and he makes a statement here. He says, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. The Apostle Paul and his whole ambition in life was to obey God and to be pleasing to Him. To obey God and to be pleasing to Him. And if in doing this, that he would be called upon to offer up his life, he was willing to do so. Amen. But you know, he didn't have to. He didn't have to. Not until he chose to. Amen. But he says here, I do not consider my life. And the word life in the Greek there is actually the word suke, which means soul. I do not consider my soul. And what is the soul? The mind, the emotions, and the will. 
I do not consider my soul. It is not about what I think. It's not about how I feel. It's not about what I want to do. I want to walk in his will. I want to be pleasing to him and obey God. And he says, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. And the word dear in the Greek, the Greek word timios, and it means I don't consider it as valuable, costly, honored, or to esteem it. I do not count my mind, my emotions, my will as something that is important to be honored. It is of no importance to me. What's important to me is fulfilling the will of God. It's not about what he thought. It's not about how he felt. It's not about what he wanted to do. He did not esteem his soul, his emotions, his self-will over God's word or the leading of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, by the end of this night's teaching, I think you might get excited about that. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Because I know you hear that kind of stuff and it's like, oh, dear God, what is God going to require of me? I don't know. What did you require of him? It's amazing how much we require of God. Okay. Ephesians 1.18. Again, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart being enlightened, that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That you would know the hope of his calling. Now, the word hope is always a future thing. We hope for something to happen, to take place, to come about. So hope is always a future state. The Word of God is calling us from where we are to where the Word of God is designed for us to be. You know, the Word of God doesn't want to bring you to where you want to go. The Word of God wants to bring you where the Word of God's designed you to go, which, in case you don't know it, is a whole lot better than what you think and where you ought to go. You know, it's like uh, there's that uh, a frame out in the foyer, and it's a picture of Abraham Lincoln, and it says a good leader takes people where they want to go, but a great leader takes them where they ought to go. God's a great leader. He takes you where you ought to go, not where you want to go. Amen. Because every single one of us, before we got saved, we all wanted to go to hell, and who gave a rip? Well, I don't think that was a good choice. And God could have let you go if you wanted to. But he wants to lead you where you ought to go. The word of God's calling us from where we are to where the word has designed for us to be. Every word, every word in the, in the word of God, every word is calling us to a greater future. You have a great future in front. It's called, he, he, he has designed for you a future and a hope or a hopeful future. Amen. Is calling you to a greater place than where you're at right now. I don't really care how content, happy, and really satisfied you are with what you've got, which if you are, I don't know why, but you may be. But yet there's greater things right in front of you. And the Word of God's calling you to it. There are callings in our life. There's callings in ministry. 
There's callings in our health, callings in our finances, callings in walking in peace, to be delivered from fear, calling to be free from anxiety, calling us to holiness, to sanctification, calling us to better marriages and better families. Amen. The Word of God is calling us in these areas. And you know, the Apostle Paul said, I don't consider my life as any account. Now, we may not be required to give up our life physically, but we are all required to give our life. Not a piece of it, not a part of it, and not a little five-minute segment out of the day. You are required by God and under the blood of Jesus to give your life. All of it. Hold on. Don't get upset. Say it with me. God's a good God. He has my interest in hand. Amen. Amen. So we are required to give all of our life. Why? Because we are to fulfill what we've been sent here to do. You know, you didn't just pop out because mom and dad had a little good time together. There was purpose. Now, your body didn't come from God. It came from your parents. But you came from God. God puts you into that body for a particular purpose. You're on this earth at this time for a particular purpose. Isn't that right? Well, how am I going to figure out what my purpose is? Well, my suggestion is you start with the Word of God. You start getting the Word of God in your heart. Amen. You know, when I first got saved, one of the first things I found out about was God is good. God is good, and I need self-control. That was the two big things that I found out about. I needed self-control. Well, that's something about my life. And, and when I saw that in the Word, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need self-control. Then I learned some things about healing. And you know what? When I started to understand some things about healing, you know what happened? My health got attacked. What a surprise. What a surprise. It's amazing how people say, but I believe in healing. I don't know why I got attacked. That's why you got attacked. You have forgotten about the parable of the sower. He comes to steal the word. You just said you believe something and here comes the attack and the devil wants to see if you really believe what you just said or you're just yakety yak yak. Huh? I started getting a revelation and understand. It took me a while to get this because I had never heard of this in my life, but I started to understand tithing. And I resigned myself over to need to tithe. And when I did, I got a greater attack on my finances. We got a revelation about marriage, about how our marriage is supposed to be. At least had a glimmer of how it ought to be. And guess what? Marriage got attacked. Well, what's the difference between that or Jesus found himself in the word of God? And today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And what happened? They dragged him out of the city to the edge of the cliff and they wanted to kill him. And you're so surprised when you get attacked because you got a revelation from the Word of God. Jesus gets a revelation, there I am, and right away they want to kill him. 
So if you get attacked after you get a revelation, you're in good company. Jesus gave us his example. Oh, we don't want that example. I want things to be great. They will be. Just kick the snot out of the attack and you'll be good. Amen. So have we found ourselves in the word of God? We should have found ourselves in the word of God. I remember when I first found myself in Jeremiah 1.9. I'm just reading it and all of a sudden it jumps out at me. And the, the word of God says, I have put my words in your mouth. I'm like, oh, that was for me. And he said, if you speak, my, he said, speak my words, my words that I put in your mouth, that's what you ought to speak. And you don't need to speak anything else. And then my pastor spoke over me and I never even told him about that. But then he spoke over me and said, the word of God is in your mouth. And he says, and when you speak out the word of God, it would be the same thing. If, if people will receive it, it would be the same thing as getting hands laid on you. It had the same effect on people's lives. Amen. Then I found 2 Timothy chapter 2. And it said the, the bondservant of the Lord should not be quarrelsome, but he should be meek and able to teach. Amen. And then he said that he should, through the teaching, deliver people out of the snare of the devil that have been held captive by him to do his will. I said, well, there you go. Now, that's a big Bible. There's a lot of stuff in there. And that's two things. And that spoke to me. And I've always set my purpose in ministry on those two verses. When we used to have Bibles, you know, those books that you used to carry? When we used to have Bibles, I would print that on the front of the cover. When I get a new Bible, I print that on the front of the cover. 2 Timothy 2, 24, 26. Because that's what was spoken to me. Amen. Then I found Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I'm a new creature in Christ. Therefore, it's the fruit of my spirit. This is my character. I'm love, joy, peace, endurance, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. That's who I am. If that's who I am, then that's what I do. And I would tell myself that over and over and over again. Did you ever get tired of saying it? Yeah. Did you ever get tired of reaping results from it? Nope. When do you get tired of reaping results from it? When you get tired of saying it. When you're tired of saying it, you'll stop reaping results. Then I found Ephesians 4.28. Let him who steals, steal no longer. But let him work with his hands that he has something to share with others. Not that I'm talking about my past life, but that spoke to me. And then I found verse 32. Forgive others just as God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. In the same way God forgave you, you need to forgive. Well, none of these things were easy. This isn't like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm going to do that from now on. Yeah. And then I found verses 22 to 24 in Ephesians chapter 4. And put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man who recreated in Christ in holiness of the truth. 
you know, well, those things spoke to me. And when they speak to you, you're required to do something. Well, what are you going to do? Whatever it takes, come hell or high water. Come attack or, or no, no matter what happens. I don't consider how I feel. I don't consider what I think. And I don't consider my self-will over what the Word of God is saying. I will do what the Word of God says. I'll press in to do what the Word of God says. And the attack's going to have to move. Amen. And those are only a few of the things that I found. And that was purpose in ministry. That was purpose in life. And it all came alive on the inside of me. And guess what? Every single one of those things is going to take suffering just like Jesus in order for it to become a reality in your life. If you think that you're going to tiptoe through the tulips and, oh, I'm just going to do this, you are lying to yourself. And the bottom line is you ain't doing nothing. Because this ain't a tiptoe through the tulips type life. This is you better buckle up, buckle down and press in. Because there's an enemy out there, his name's the devil, that wants to beat the nonsense out of you. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if you don't think that's true, you're not doing anything. Because that's what he does. Amen. When Jesus was on the earth, living in his earth body, he suffered rejection, ridicule, embarrassment. He had a bear with the people that was with him. You remember when he made this statement, oh, unbelieving generation, how long, how long do I have to be with you? How long do I have to put up with you? You know what that tells me? That tells me Jesus didn't know how long he was going to be on the earth. He didn't say like, oh, unbelieving generation, I tell you what, three months, I'm out of here. Six months, I'm out of here. One more year and I'm done. No, how long am I going to have to put up with you? How long am I going to have to bear with you? Jesus didn't know. He didn't know until it was time. He didn't know until he was headed to Jerusalem. And he stopped, I think, at Samaria. And the Samaritans wanted him to stay there. But his face was set like a flint to go to Jerusalem because he knew his time had come. Before that, no. He knew where he was going. He knew where he was headed. But when was the time? I don't know. How long do I have to put up with you? See, he had to suffer endurance. He had to suffer bearing with others. Amen. See, why didn't he know? Because he's living in a time realm just like us. It's about giving of our life giving of our soul, giving of our thoughts, of our emotions and our self-will for one reason and one reason only, to fulfill the purposes of the Word of God. That Word is written to you, and it needs to come alive on the inside of you because that Word alive in you sets your goal, sets your purpose, sets your path. And the biggest problem in the body of Christ is no purpose. No path, no vision. Because the word don't come alive in people. Amen. And we have to suffer the flesh, don't we? You know, <clears throat> have you ever tried to just 
felt like I just have to get my own way. Or maybe... We're helping you to obey God. <laughs> Have you ever tried to one-up somebody? You know the Bible that says when one person is honored, we all get honored. <laughs> no, when one is honored, we're all supposed to rejoice. But what do we do? Oh, they got honored. I'm going to one-up them. I, let me tell you what happened to me. Oh, let me tell you what they do. You know, and everybody's got their one-up deal. Or you're in a confrontation of some sort and you got to have the last word. Or there's a group of people around and you want to be in the spotlight. Now every single one of those things and I'm sure that sometime we probably have all dealt with something. But they're all the little insignificant unimportant things that the flesh considers to be of major concern and great importance. But yet we, who are the disciples, the learned ones, we don't consider the reasonings of our soul. We don't take it into account or walk after that manner. Flesh considers that to be weakness. Flesh considers that to be weakness. But yet it's a strength of character. It's a strength of character that the flesh will never know. But yet the flesh wants it. And therefore, the flesh can only walk in a pseudo-strength and not real strength. It's make-believe strength. It's not real. Because all flesh facing a demon will collapse. And I don't mean a tangible demon. I'm talking about a demonic attack. Flesh will collapse. I don't care what Hollywood tells you. Hollywood has the hero standing up to the demons. That ain't going to happen. Yeah. You're done. Are you with me? So the flesh can only walk in a pseudo strength because it it's unrestored, it's unrenewed. But the real strength of character comes out of walking in the things of God. And you've got to give your life to those things. Jeremiah chapter 17. Verses 5 through 8. Jeremiah 17, verse 5 through 8. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony waste in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitants. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Hallelujah. So he says in verse um, uh, uh, 5 and 6, he says, Cursed is the man who trusts in, the, in mankind and makes flesh his strength. But notice verse 6. It says that he will not see when prosperity comes. It doesn't say prosperity won't come to him. It says he won't even see it. Won't see it, won't recognize it. You know why? Because this person will always live in the not enough. 
always not enough. So the key to all of these verses here, whether it's the flesh or whether it's God, the key is the word trust. And the word trust means to be confident, to feel safe and secure, and to have reliance. So if we trust in the flesh, then we're confident in the flesh, we feel safe and secure, operating by the flesh, and we have total reliance on the flesh. And that brings a curse. And the word cursed in the Hebrew means to be bound, to hem in with obstacles, to render powerless, to resist. In other words, the attacks come and you can't do anything about it. You're powerless. So the most important thing here is where do we set our trust? Now, it says that, mm, verse 5, I think it is, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Okay, now, how many times do you hear this? Oh, yeah, yeah, but I still love Jesus. That's not at all what he's talking about. He's talking about any specific situation you may turn, that you may be involved in, and in that situation, you've turned from the Lord to trust in the flesh. And in that situation like that, your trust now is in the flesh, and it's not trusting in God because you can't serve two masters. Right? We are to make the Lord our act of trust. This is not like, oh, I trust God. Oh, yeah, I trust God. No, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about making him your active trust in every situation. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Active trust in every situation. How do you do that? By declaring the truth of the word of God in your situation. By following the Holy Spirit in your situation. The seasons may change, but this disciple will not. And that's why it says in verse 8 that it says that his leaf will not wither. It says that he will not be anxious in the year of drought. He'll not cease to, to, to yield fruit and his leaves will always be green. Why? Because no matter what goes on, no matter what the season is, this disciple will remain exactly the same. He'll be solid. He'll be strong. He'll be full of life. He'll be speaking words of spirit and life no matter what's going on around him. Amen. Because he found the secret that no matter what goes on, whether I abound or whether I'm abased, I am set on Jesus. And that means I'm set on his word. I'm set on his Holy Spirit. And no matter what goes on, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's up, whether it's down, I'm declaring what the word of God says. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. You know, a lot of people think that a prosperous life is one in which you never suffer. But yet, it is a fact that our suffering in the present time is a condition of our future glorification. It, Paul even said that in the book of Corinthians chapter 4. He said, the momentary light affliction is producing for me an eternal weight of glory. You know, the suffering that we go through here is like, uh, uh, 
you know how it is, you know. And, and yet, God calls it momentary. Your life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow, how long do you think your suffering is going to last? I don't know how long you want to live in it. It's momentary. Momentary light affliction produces for us an eternal way to go. You know, we think if somebody lives 120 years, oh, it's still the shortest time of their life. Because they're still stepping into eternity. They came out of eternity. They're going back to eternity. We came from God. We're going back to God. This section right here called time is the shortest period of our life. So as far as God is concerned, suffering is all a part of the same package of sonship. We are children of God, and if children, we're heirs if we suffer. Amen. And I'm not talking about suffering sickness, disease, suffering lack, suffering abuse. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about suffering our flesh not letting it have its way. I don't consider my soul to be of any importance. I don't esteem it. I don't honor it. I don't care what it says. I don't care how I feel. I don't care about my will. I want to do what God's word says. No matter how much your flesh wants that, and your flesh wants that inheritance. Every person on the face of the earth wants that inheritance. What do you think it's all about between Hamas and Israel? The inheritance. That's what it's all about. There's an inheritance to Isaac, but not an inheritance to Ishmael. To Ishmael, God said, you'll be a great people. But to Isaac, he said, you will be blessed. Ishmael wants the blessing. Can't get it. Your flesh wants the inheritance. Ain't going to get it. It's impossible. Why? Because you can't get it without the suffering. Suffering is very simple. Standing against the flesh, standing against the soul, and not letting it have its own way. But choosing to walk in the leadership of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in our life. That is the path of Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. Blessed is the man. To not do that, to not press in and let your flesh suffer, is to go the route of verse 5 and 6. Cursed is the man who trusts in flesh. But it is our ambition to obey God. It is our ambition to please Him. Is it an intent or is it a decision? You know, we could sit here and go, yeah, that's what I want. But that's your intent. But you haven't made that decision. See, once you make the decision, there's no going back. When you make a real decision out, from your, out of the will rather than out of your emotions. When you make a decision out of your will, there's no changing it. That will that's connected with that spirit, and you make that decision, that will not change. But when you make a decision in your soul out of your emotions, you'll flip-flop, you'll vacillate back and forth. I tried it. Uh, I did it one day. Uh, no, 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 back and forth, back and forth, roller coaster ride, because you're in your emotions. But when you make a decision out of your will that is set in your spirit, it won't change. So when we say that we want to obey God, is that our intent or is that our decision? Are we saying it? Are we doing it? Do we follow through with it or are we going to stop at the suffering? 
Are we going to be good soil, or are we going to live our life among the thorns? Are you with me? Amen. Those are all questions that need to be answered. And we have to answer them as individuals. Nobody can answer it for you. You can't even tell somebody, well, you need to do this. You need to make that answer. You need to answer those questions yourself. First Peter chapter 4, verse 1. And let's read it in the Amplified. First Peter 4, 1. So, since Christ suffered in the flesh for us, for you, arm yourselves with the same thought and purpose, patiently to suffer rather than fail to please God. For whoever has suffered in the flesh, having the mind of Christ, is done with intentional sin, has stopped pleasing himself and the world, and pleases God. So whoever suffered in the flesh, having the mind of Christ. See, suffering in the flesh means to go the direction of the word of God, say what God says, do what God says, take on that renewed mind and suffer the flesh and put it down because you know that what it thinks, what it feels, and what it wants is not right. And I will not put my trust, confidence, and reliance in the flesh. So I will suffer my flesh, and by doing so, I'm taking on the mind of Christ. And as I do in each situation, every situation, this is not a one-time deal. Okay, I've got the mind of Christ the rest of my life. No. That would be nice. This is a step-by-step, situation-by-situation process. And wherever you've chosen to suffer the flesh, taken on the mind of Christ, then in that particular thing, you're done with intentional sin. Amen. And where do I do this? I patiently suffer rather than fail to please God. When do I do that? In the midst of tests, temptations, trials, attacks. That's when you do it. That you're not going to give in to the flesh, not going to give in to the sin, not going to give in to the world. So it's very easy to do it when everything's going fine. You know, it's kind of like the the the. the economy back in 2005, 2006, you know, the body of Christ thought, oh, bless God. God's blessing us. Oh, things are so wonderful. Oh, because we've been believing God and things are so great. And then 2007 came and everything tanked and all the believers are like running and hiding and oh my God, what am I going to do? Wait a minute, wait. I thought you were riding the wave of faith. Maybe not. Maybe you were just riding the wave of the world because the whole world was doing good economically at that point. And then the carpet got pulled out. And you saw it. You saw it in the body of Christ. I mean, they were scrambling. They were running. They had no idea what to do because they weren't believing God to begin with. Are you with me? But yet, in the midst of test, temptations, and trials, that's just what the things of the Word of God is designed for. And this is why you, people say things like, oh, when things are really bad in the world, that's when people start looking for religion. 
Because nobody looks in the good times because everything's so good. They have no idea. The devil's coming up right behind them and going to pull the carpet out from under them. We are not to let anything master us, like it tells us in Romans 6. Don't let anything master you. Good times, bad times. Hard times, easy times. Daytimes, night times. Nothing masters you. You have to live and walk by the word of God at all times. I can walk like Jesus walked because he's given an example for us to follow. Amen. No longer pleasing myself. No longer pleasing myself. I've stopped pleasing myself and the world. No longer pleasing the dictates of my flesh, how it feels, what it thinks, what it feels like doing, or what it even screams at me and calls me all these crazy names because he thinks I'm an idiot. Does your flesh ever talk to you like that? Call you an idiot, thinks you're an idiot because you're not doing things the way it wants you to do it? No? Well, then you must be buddy-buddy with it. <laughs> no, we are to take on the thoughts of the Word of God and get it in our heart. We will not allow our unrenewed mind and unrestored soul to have its way, no matter how it screams, no matter how it acts like a little two-year-old and has a fit. I was... Uh, I think it was my birthday one year. And my brother came to the, to the house when he was living here. And his son was, I forget how old he was, three or four years old. Well, it was my birthday. I was getting the presents. He wanted it to be his birthday. And he wanted all the presents. And he throws himself on the ground and he starts kicking and screaming and having a fit. I'm eating my cake. I'm like, somebody do something about this. You know. <laughs> but that's how our flesh acts. It starts yelling and screaming and having a fit. We refuse to allow it to have its way. You just continue on eating your cake. That's right, I did. We do not look to please ourselves, but we look to please God and Him alone. You know, I mean, when we first got married, we were over in Guam, and things were really rough over there because everything was so expensive, so you had to share homes with other people. So we had this one guy share, we shared a home with him, and he was kind of a burned-out junkie, you know. We were all junkies, but he was a burned-out one. I was talking to this one guy about Crantham. I don't know if you ever heard of it. And it's made from the tea leaves of Southeast Asia. I'm like, oh yeah, I know about them tea leaves from Southeast Asia, you know. <laughs> it's like CBD type stuff, you know. So anyway, so we were sitting at the table eating dinner and his name was Jim. He comes over and he's just sitting there and looking at us, looking real pitiful, you know. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm really not. I just kept on eating. You know, and he was saying some stuff. I forget. Well, you know, Pastor Nate, she can't do that. She's got to give him some food. 
So she gives him food, and the first thing he says out of his mouth was, I could have gone down to the Korean club and I get free food over there. Oh, Pastor Nid wants to grab her food back, <laughs> hit him upside the head, you know, and I'm looking at her like, you gave it to him. You shouldn't have given it to him. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Amen. So uh, having fits and things like that just doesn't move me. I don't care. And Pastor Nid will tell you when we first got married, she cried all the time. <laughs> okay, where are we? Let's go to verse 2 in the Amplified Bible. Verse 2. So that he can no longer spend the rest of his natural life living by his human appetites and desires, but he lives for what God wills. Okay? So... When we read something like that, and we read about natural life living by human appetites, we think about major sin. We think about immorality, lasciviousness, and, and all of this kinds of stuff. Well, how about this? What if you had plans to do something, but then something came up at church for you to be at, and you're like, oh, I can't do that because I already have plans to go do something. Well, what are you living by now? Okay, so let's reverse that. What if there was plans to do something at church, but something came up for you to go do something, and you choose to go do something rather than what you were supposed to do at church? So on that side, it was okay. But on this side, it's like, well, why do I have to go do that? See, because it's about what you want, not about what you ought to do. That's how we live our life, what I want. And of course, well, God wouldn't mind no, he don't mind. He don't mind if you go to hell. He don't mind. It's up to you. It's your choice. Are you with me? See, we live by what we want, and then we excuse it off and say it's okay because it's what we want. But is that what God wants you to do? You know, something just like Brother Hagen, I forget where he was at. I don't know if he was in Naples or Winter Haven someplace. And I had never been in a Brother Hagen uh, uh, meeting. So I'm like, I'm going to go to the Brother Hagen meeting and stuff. And there was stuff going on at church and all that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go to the Brother Hagen meeting. And the Spirit of God said to me, did I tell you to go? Or he said to me, why do you want to go? I said, well, I've never been in a Brother Hagen meeting. And this is Brother Hagen. I'd like to go to his meeting. And he said, did I tell you to go? I said, well, no. He said, then what do you think you're going to get out of it? You're going to be a groupie? Now, later on, I got to go when we went up to South Alabama and went to a week's worth of meetings with Brother Hagen where he did a healing seminar. And that was a, yeah, it was a pastor's meeting. And that was, a, you know, that was a while later after that. But you understand, that seemed like a really good thing. I'm going to go to a Brother Hagen meeting. That wasn't what I was supposed to do. When I first got called into the ministry, I felt like, who's going to believe that I'm a minister? I've never been to school. You know, I don't even know what the Bible says. I'm just learning what the Bible says. And I'm getting ready to go to Raymer, go to some kind of school. I need to do this because I need to have a certificate that shows that I'm a minister. And, of course, I heard the same thing. Did I tell you to do that? But this is the verse that came up to me. 
Blessed is the man whose master finds him doing what he left him to do when he returns. And I'm thinking, well, he didn't tell me to go to Ramah. So if he comes back and I'm in Ramah, it seemed like a good thing, but it was not the right thing. So when we talk about human appetites or desires, all we're talking about is that unrenewed mind, that unrestored soul and the flesh that's directing us in the things we want to do rather than obeying God. And, and we ought to be living for what God wills. Because no matter how good you think what you're going to do is, God's will is going to be better. Because your will might be good, but God's is perfect. And your life will never be fulfilled outside of his will. Amen. The will of God will always bring fullness into your life and fulfillment of life. Amen. Amen. So he says he can no longer spend the rest of his natural life living by his human appetites and desires. So what do you have to do? Destroy the strongholds, cast down the imaginations, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, which is the word of God. Philippians chapter 3. Everybody good? Philippians 3, verse 3 and 4. It says, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. So he had a lot of reasons to put confidence in the flesh, but he chose not to. He said that we put no confidence in the flesh. And the word confidence in the Greek, it means to believe in with reliance. It means to trust in. Kind of like what we saw in Jeremiah. It means to depend on. To become convinced of and then respond favorably to it. To be persuaded of or be persuaded by it. And it actually means to be a follower or a disciple of it. Believe in it, trust in it, and obey it. But he said, put no confidence in it. Put no confidence. Put no reliance, no trust. Don't believe in it. Don't depend on it. Don't be convinced by it. Don't respond favorably to it. Don't be persuaded of it or be persuaded by it. Don't be a follower of it. Don't obey it. Why? Because according to Jeremiah, it will bring a curse. It will hem you in on all sides with obstacles and you will be unable to resist it. Amen. In other words, the enemy will come to attack and you can't do anything about it. See, you can't defeat the enemy using his manner of life. You can't turn from God in any situation and think you're going to be blessed. Well, I'm still a child of God. Yes, you are. But you're not going to be blessed. Not in that situation. You can't serve two masters. But we're not going to be a Jeremiah 17, 5, and 6 person. We're going to be a verse 7 and 8 person. Amen. Even though it's going to cause suffering to the flesh. 
flesh needs to be suffer, suffered. How old are you? Don't tell me. But how old are you and how much suffering has your flesh caused you in life? It's your turn now to put the suffering back on it and live in the victory you're supposed to live in. Amen. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. It says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Now, the mirror translation says this, talking about Jesus. Acquainted with sonship, he was in the habit of hearing from above. What he heard distanced him from the effect of what he had suffered. All right, now, understand what he's saying here. What he heard, this is the way people read it. What he heard distanced him from the suffering. No, no. He still went through the suffering. He suffered his flesh. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways, just like we are, but yet without sin. Why? Because he suffered his flesh and didn't let his flesh go in the direction that it wanted to go. Now, some people say, well, Jesus, you know, he had a sinless body, so that was easier for him. Adam had a sinless body. Get a clue. It didn't distance him from what he suffered or from the suffering. It distanced him from the effects of what he suffered. Jesus suffered rejection in Nazareth. They wanted to kill him. Isn't that right? He suffered that. But guess what? He just went his way and he went about preaching around the villages. Why? Because he heard the Father speak to him in the Word. And what he heard distanced him from what he suffered. He goes into the wilderness and he's suffering. Test temptations and trials from the devil. But he heard the Father say, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And that distanced him from the effects of what he suffered. Jesus said, let's go over to the other side, because that's what the father said. And he suffered in the hurricane winds when going to the other side. But what he heard, go over to the other side, distanced him from the effects of it. That's why he's sleeping in the boat. He still went through it. He suffered tests. He suffered temptations. He suffered trials from the religious people, from the lawyers, from the scribes, from the Pharisees, all coming against him all the time. Even his own disciples he had enough trouble with. How long am I going to be with you, O unbelieving generation? How long do I have to put up with you? I'm sure he could have told them some choice words at that point. He suffered his flesh. Jesus knew what his father said. Jesus heard it. Jesus obeyed it. And it caused him to go through the experience of suffering, but totally untouched by it. Now, in the carnal mind, you can't separate that. It's just like I could tell people, you know, I love you. What you're doing, I don't like it at all, and I judge it as, he, oh, you're judging me? No, I'm not judging you. I'm judging you that thing. And carnal people can't make the separation. 
there's a big difference between the person and the thing that they're doing. There's a big difference between experiencing the suffering and feeling the effects of it. Paul suffered much, but he was never deterred. He finished his course. Isn't that right? The martyrs, the martyrs lived separate from those things that they suffered. That's why they had them lit up, burned them, in, dipped them in oil, burned them all night long and used them as streetlights on the road. And they're singing the Psalms. Why? Because they're going through it, but they're totally separate from the effects of it. Drove Nero crazier than what he was. Drove him nuts. Well, what about us? What is this word of God saying to me? Will I press in to reach the goal and the vision without being deterred by the things I suffer? Am I willing to press in and suffer my flesh to take hold of that which the word of God's calling me to? Are we going to give our life to the Lord, to his word, and to his will? Giving our life to it. This is about discipleship. This is what discipleship is about. And discipleship is the doorway to revelation and understanding from the Word of God by the Holy Spirit. Disciples step in to revelation and understanding. Amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. Jesus said, truly, undoubtedly, undeniably, and irrevocably, I say to you, there is no one who has left houses, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. See, this is living in discipleship. This is taking what you've learned and walk in it, even if the flesh is to suffer. Even if the flesh goes through persecutions and afflictions. In the world, you have tribulations. You're not going to get out of it. You might as well suffer for something good. We may not need to give up our life physically, but we are required to give our life. And this is the giving up of all that produces the hundredfold return now in this age. And it will produce in the age to come the glory of God. The glory of the age to come is what it will produce. Wouldn't it be awful to live in this life all your life? and never be able to step into the glory of the age to come. Everything we talked about tonight comes down to this. See, now you have to decide now. Because, you know, we've all been about the, oh, the hundredfold return, oh, the hundredfold return. I'm believing for the hundredfold return. You can't believe for the hundredfold return. You've got to live for it. 
the only way to it. You receive back a hundred times as much now in the present age. Are you with me? This is the life of a disciple that produces the hundredfold return. And yet, it's the hardest of all things to do. Therefore, you'll never do it without the Word of God and without an active fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Without that, you'll never do it because flesh can't do it. And you have to make a decision now if you're going to trust in flesh or you're going to trust in the Lord. You'll have to make a decision at this point about the hundredfold return. Now that we see what it is, is this what I really want? Or am I going to say, you know, maybe 5% is good? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can. It's up to you. You know, there's, there's, no, um, there, there's no animosity on the side of God if you were to say, eh, I'll settle for 5%. You know, he's fine with that. It's whatever you want. He's set it up. And you can choose what you want. And none of this is about giving up stuff. He said you will receive houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, farms. So it's not about giving up stuff. It's about giving up of our life. Giving up of ourself and becoming a disciple. Amen. The word that you heard today and the word that you've heard over the last six weeks about discipleship. It can produce great understanding and great revelation for a disciple. This six-week series is what you can take, put into practice, and walk in great victory no matter what you deal with. I mean, great victory no matter what you deal with. Not victory three months down the road or five months. I'm talking about victory. You can walk in victory. This is walking like Jesus. Why? Because we learn from him. We learn from him who suffered his flesh. And we take his yoke and his burden, which is easy and light. This is becoming a disciple of the Lord in life. This is pressing in to the hundredfold return now. This is pressing into the glory of the age to come. This is the ultimate hope of his calling. This is the ultimate of what he's calling you to. And we'll have to make a decision of whether we're going to go for it or not. If you're going to go for it, you got to go with him. Can't go alone. It's going to take a daily diet, steady intake of the word of God and active fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Regular basis. It's his hope. This is why he's laid everything out. This is why he's left you on the earth not only to witness to other people and get people into the kingdom, but it's so that you can grow your life to be like Jesus, that you can walk like Jesus. Think about how many people Jesus affected in his life and how much our life would affect others if we would be more like Jesus. Mm. It's the ultimate hope of his calling. Amen. Just bow our heads for a moment. Thank you, Father. Father, your anointing is here right now. 
Your anointing has moved in. I thank you for the anointing that's been here all night on the Word, but now the anointing has shifted. And now your anointing is ready to move. You've spoken to us, but now you want to move in us. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Zebrese she aton yarabaka, rasaten yerebezi e de debe teriaraba, roba kiaba de gen yerebezi abadono bakiaba doro bakia so ote, jeveten gen ye leveki, evrebezi e bedon yarabaka yabadoro baka yabade, lese shebeten yelebezi e bedon yarabaka yabado. O maka yabados yarabaka yabados yabaden yerebe. E messi yabadan yarabaka yabadorobaka yabadan yarabaka yabasi abadele bazi abado. O ramakadian yarabaka yabadan yarabaka yamazi abadana baka yabate. Lift your hands to the Lord. Lord, here we are right before you, in your presence, in the room, on live stream, on podcast. We are right here with you, and you are right here with us. And Lord, declaring today that I'm giving myself to you. I'm stepping in a little further. I'm stepping up a little higher. I want to move in greater ways with you, knowing you. Holy Spirit, it is my intent to be obedient to my Father, to be obedient to your will and to your leadership. Work with me, Holy Spirit, will and to work in me so that that intent becomes a decision out of my will set on my spirit and it will be one that never changes but that I'll move in that direction, which will cause me then to watch the things that I say, cause me to be careful of the steps that I take, cause me to look to you in all things, that I would have a reality of you living inside of me and wanting to direct, guide, and lead me in all things, not just major decisions, but every decision. Because unless I can hear you in the small things, I'll never hear you in the big things. So help me, Holy Spirit. I give myself to you this day. I thank you for your anointing that has just proven to me that the word is truth, that I can take hold of this. And Father, I know without any doubt that the hundredfold return is not just for me to have, but it's for me to use to advance your kingdom. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your empowerment. I thank you, Lord, for your dunamis power that gets released on the inside of me, that gives me the strength, that I can take courage, that I can rise up, that I can be the disciple that you want me to be. Not deterred by the suffering of my flesh, but just being even greatly encouraged 
further knowing that when I stand on your word and I suffer my flesh, that victory is coming my way. Lord, I thank you for it. I bless you. I praise you and give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord God. We bless you, Holy One. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace. Thank you for your kindness, your compassion. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for caring about us. Thank you, Lord God. Bless your name. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 See, it doesn't take long being in the presence of God, making declarations out of our heart that changes things in our life. That we don't have to be the same as we were one hour ago. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. 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 Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the word that you've declared to us tonight. We thank you for the last six weeks of this series that you've taught to us, line upon line, precept upon precept, that we can grow in discipleship that we come to this ultimate conclusion of the hope of your calling for each and every one of us. Father, I thank you that for each person in the room, on live stream, on podcast, anyone within the sound of my voice that is receiving from your anointing, Lord, I thank you that even through the night you continue to work in us, continue to develop things inside of us, continue to make changes within us, Lord, I thank you that we'll wake in the morning even hungrier for you than we were when we went to sleep tonight. Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. 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 Now, Lord, as we come before you with our giving, Lord, I thank you that your word declares that there's one that gives and yet increases all the more. Lord, it does not matter what I see and what I feel. I just know what your word says, and I trust your word. I don't trust my flesh. I only trust you, your word, and I acknowledge you, Lord, in the very fact of my giving by acknowledging what your word says. I speak your word over my seed that I sow, and I thank you that it will produce fruit and bring harvest back into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you joined us on live stream or podcast, thanks so much for being with us tonight. I do pray the word of God has touched you right where you're at, that that anointing went right through that screen and you received it right into your heart, right where you are. The presence of God is not limited to distance, that he's there with you just like he's here with us. Praise God, praise God. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, you can go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. Thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And as we always say, if there's anything we can stand in prayer with you about, please let us know. We always consider it a privilege to stand with our partners and believe God for your needs to be met. Amen.